Abba Yahweh, the place that I need to be, the place that I should be, despite what everything is going on around and what everything is saying, what the devil says, what the tumult. But I need to be here. I need to be in your word. I need to be about your business. I need to hear you speak to me, Father, in your still, small voice. You're not going to yell and try to be heard over the den and all these things that are going on. That's not what you are, Father. You're my loving, heavenly Father, and you speak in love. Thank you, Father, for your love, for your grace, mercy, and the opportunity to be about your business and sharing your word. Abba Yahweh, Aman, Yeshua, Aman, Parakritos, Aman. There are a lot of things that are really going on. Satan is really trying hard, and that's okay. Because you know what? That tells me that I am on the right track. That tells me that God's got me doing something that really bothers Lucifer, Satan, Beelzebub, fear, liar, all those pseudonyms that he carries in his pocket, he flips them out as if he's proud to flash those credentials. And he is. So it got him a problem to begin with. Pride. He was going to take over heaven. He was going to be God. He was going to take over God's throne. Nope, didn't happen. And what did our Lord Jesus, Emmanuel Christ say? I saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven. And I give to you, talking about you and me, if you are a true believer, a follower, and a disciple. There's an interesting word there that some people get kind of messed up between disciple and apostle. They're the same thing. No, they're not the same thing. Not at all. Disciple is a student involved. Now, Here's the thing. Here's here's a twist. You can be an apostle and still be learning, but you're not really an apostle if you're still a disciple. Hmm. Well, here you go. You follow the word. You follow the Holy Spirit. He leads and guides you so that you are going on the right path you're sharing the right word and the things that you tell individuals to exhort and edify and lift them up. So you're kind of you're kind of learning how to be about the father's business. You're learning how to treat other individuals. You can't you can't just wander around and and be goody goody goody. Okay, it, it doesn't work that way. You have to kind of put it, you have to put an effort to it. You have to put an effort to it. You got to try to love. You can't love on your own because I tell you what, on this plane of existence, you got individuals that are going to make it so hard for you to love them. Going to make it so difficult to love them. And when the word tells us to forgive people, forgive individuals for their trespasses and all that, 
Are you going to usurp the sovereign authority of the Lord God Almighty and say, well, I can't forgive that person for doing that? Oh, no. They called my car ugly. They called my motorcycle ugly. They called me ugly. Except that all three of those may be true, but you just didn't want to hear from them because they're your next door neighbor. You're never going to forget them. Says who? You are now the authoritative sovereign Lord I don't think so. The problem when we have that, you got to learn how to do that. And you have to practice being all those things that you learned as a disciple. And also the difference between an apostle and a disciple is that apostles are sent out. They're sent out to be about the Father's business, sent out so that they can draw others in and teach them and that they can be Two disciples of Jesus' love, life, compassion, that they can be saved and they can be about our Father's business. Oh, here's one for you. Here's a tester. Bet you didn't know this. Who's who is actually, and Jesus sent the disciples when he sent them out two by two in here when he's talking um, when is coming back here. Hold on just a second. I'm getting to the point. It's in Luke. I am going to start in Luke 10, 17. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Um... Jesus gave them a gentle rebuke. These are disciples, and he sent them out to practice to be an apostle. And the 70 came back after going out and sharing a word, and they kind of, they sort of missed the, the point, I think, that they were not paying attention to what Jesus was saying, but they were becoming very self-satisfied. And this is what he didn't want them to do. And he said, and he said unto them, Continuing in verse 18, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. And over all the power of the enemy, nothing shall by any means hurt you. We have the authority. So when Dayton, Satan is pulling out all his credentials and he's throwing out all his Oh, here's my Lucifer card. Here's my Beelzebub card. Here's my liar card. Here's my fear card. Here's my disparity card. Here's my here's my separation card. Here's my death. Oh, look, never mind. I don't have death card anymore. That's right. Satan didn't have a death anymore. Death card anymore because our Lord Jesus Christ, when he came before he rose, he actually went down there and he took the keys from Satan, who did have ministry over death. Probably why everybody feared death so much. I, I don't fear dying. Maybe just a tad, but there's no reason to. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. There is any because Jesus is going to meet us here when it's time to go home anyway. If you pass from this plane of existence and you die to this plane of existence, 
close your eyes and they take you to this place that they're going to put you in the ground or in a tomb. Only gonna, you're only going to be there for a fleet. You're, you're already gone anyway. It's just the shell. Jesus meets you and says, it's time to come home. Let's go. But we have been given authority over all those things. Satan does not have authority over us, but so many times we just want to relinquish. Acquiesce and say, oh, I don't want to do it. Oh, we're a, we're a, we're a. I don't want to do it. I don't want to fight you. I don't want to put on my armor. I don't want to wear my helmet of salvation. I don't want to lift this shield of faith. I don't want to, I don't want to buckle up the breastplate of righteousness. And I got to put my sandals of preparation of the gospel on again. I have to gird myself with that truth sword. Take that out again. I just don't want to do it. There you go. There's the answer. I don't I don't want to do it. Not that you don't have it. You don't want to do it. We've all been given that authority, but here's the thing. And brothers and sisters, I speak to you with that little mirror that's running us around in this room and floating in front of my face. No matter where I'm looking, I got, I'm talking in that little mirror. I gotta, I'm talking to myself here because, man, here in this short little bit, and I just ran into another thing, okay? I'm supposed to be getting uh, some help. So I'm, you know, I like to keep this stuff as private as I can. I don't want to be out there and it's not, uh, oh, poor me, poor me. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm not wanting that. I just don't understand because they tell me one thing and then turn around and tell me something different. And it's just this battle going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and going on. And the Satan keeps coming at me hard with this stuff and put me in the middle of this stuff. And then he comes with that white noise interference. Crank that up as loud as he can. And what do I do? I start getting rattled. I start getting agitated. And I'm not thinking and I'm not fussing anybody. I'm just kind of wandering around in the house. My dogs are looking at me like, Dad, again, what do you... Talk to God, talk to God, talk to God, talk to him, talk, 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 talk to God. And then when I start doing, then I'm just, <laughs> I get this relaxation. I get this calming peace, which is exactly what he has for us. The peace that passeth all understanding. With our finite minds, we cannot possibly comprehend the length, the breadth, the height and the depth of the love from our Lord God Almighty, our sovereign Lord, our heavenly Father. There's no way that we comprehend it. We can't. We can't try to figure it with these finite minds. It's not possible to do. But when I'm talking to him, I start to get this sensation, I get the feeling, and I get this feeling that is, and it just calms everything. We need to remember that he has given us that power and authority. It belongs to us, and that means that Satan cannot do anything. And that we don't rejoice in the fact that demons are calling out. I mean, we could keep that private, talk to the Holy Spirit about it, and thank the Lord God Almighty for it, offer him thanks 
and sacrifice to him for that. But here we have, notwithstanding, in this rejoice, not. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice, not. That the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Because you are graduating, going out, and soon you will be apostles. And your names will be written in the book of life. So when you come to the gate, the book is open and look, behold, there's your name. That's what you rejoice in is that you have run the good race, you have finished the race and you have attained that thing which we have been told to reach for, endeavor for, Gain temperance for, remember temperance? Temper, hardening. Not to make you hard so that you're angry and callous and cold, anybody, but tempered so that you're strong. Tempered as steel and polished. Strong. Your faith. The things that go on around us are to, to temp, are to temper our faith. Tempering my faith by these things that are so annoying. But thank you, Father, for having me step in and go through this process because it's what makes me better. It's what makes me stronger. So further reading, verse 21. In the hour, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, so it seemed good in thy sight the babes, his students, his followers, the disciples, learning these things. And they were revealed through the Spirit to them. And it was good. It was good in our Father's sight. And in that, remember that Jesus taught us how to pray. Teaching us how to pray. And his disciples asked, so Jesus answered. It's called the Lord's Prayer. But when ye pray, I'm reading Matthew 6, starting at verse 7. No, I'm not. I'm going to go back farther. And when thou pray, I'm going back to verse 5. 
6 and 5. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogue and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. And the Pharisees have this thing that they do. They like to be as loud as they can in the marketplace. They bob up and down and weave, and they're constantly doing this thing. And Ashalone, you know, and there and there they go. And you can you can hear them from many locations in the market. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and in the corners of the streets when they seem to be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, Pray to thy father, which is in secret, and thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. So when you come to the father, you do so first of all in thanksgiving. You enter the courts in praise. You enter his temple in worship, but you start in thanksgiving. Not with this huge, loud, raucous noise that comes out. Hey, look at me. I'm praying to God. Look at me over here. I'm bobbing and weaving. Look at me up and down here. That's not what God desires. How is that a personal relationship? I've shared this with you before. Explain to me how that's a personal relationship with God. It's not. It's not. He wants a personal relationship with us. He seeks that from us. As we should be in the word and seeking his face in all things, his truth, his knowledge, his wisdom, everywhere we go in the Bible, where we should be looking for Further reading, verse 6. After they shut the door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. really babbling about nothing. They're not even talking to God. They're just making a show of it. Vain speaking, babbling. Kind of like, hey God, blah, 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 blah. And the other day, blah, 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 blah. And just, really, is that personal? Is that personal? Are you reaching to God? For his love, are you trying to have a personal relationship with him? You're just blabbering on about things that are, they're not even cohesive. You can't even understand them. And you just go. Auspicious fear of the Lord God Almighty. 
to fear him auspiciously is to come before him knowing and appearing in reverence humbly to him, knowing that he has the capability to do anything, and yet he loves us so much. Remember, grace is great. Grace is free. Didn't cost anything. Didn't cost anything. There are those that will argue out, well, I got to put the offering in, I got to tithe, and then the pastor starts making me feel guilty. Here's the deal. I may have shared this before, but I'm going to share it again anyway. It's relevant and it's worth sharing. You can't be made to feel guilty unless you allow yourself to be feel guilty. So when an elder of the church gets up and starts talking about tithing and offering, or the pastor is talking about tithing and offering, and then you start saying, oh man, I, I, didn't, I didn't write a check last week. Man, oh man, oh man. And then you lean over to the wife and you tell her, and she's like, oh, oh my gosh, really? Serious? Get, ah, the checkbook's not here. The checkbook's at home. What am I going to do? And then you start running through all this for nothing. Really, it's what it is for nothing. And brothers and sisters, grace is given, great grace, and given free. The tithes and offering are not to pay for the grace that God bestows. That's not what that's about. And Jesus reminds us again in verse 8, Matthew 6, 8. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask him. He just loves the fact that you come to him. He knows he loves the fact that you come to speak with him. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's very powerful right there because when you are righteous in your prayer and you bind something here on this plane of existence, the angels are in agreement with you and it is also bound in heaven. We have powerful prayers, brothers and sisters. Stop whinnying, whining around about it and get to praying. Before, during, and after all things. Try the Spirit before you go into anything and pray without ceasing. It's possible to do. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, 
the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, here's something important I want you to take heed to. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Semicolon. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Has anyone ever taken heed to that line other than I've just pointed out to you? I actually did. For the longest time, I read right over it until one of my mentors pointed this out. In that prayer, Jesus is telling us how to pray to him and not telling us to pray that the Lord would deliver us from that evil that goes on around us, deliver us from those bad warriors, deliver us from those bad neighbors. It's not what it says. Not what it says. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Who's evil? Only one person evil. One entity that jumps forward and just springs out right smack in front of me and is and know this. The liar. Lucifer. Beelzebub. Lord of the flies. The deceiver. The, the devourer. The lion that looks to scatter the flock. He is evil. And the word tells us right there, but deliver us from evil. And he will. Remember what it says in Luke 10. I'm going to jump over to Luke 10 right quick. We're going to jump in there. I'm going to remind you. It's pretty powerful. Did I pass it? Didn't get there yet. Sorry. My apology. Goodness gracious. I'm trying to hold my finger on one page and go to the other. <laughs> oh, how terrible I am. Sometimes. Behold, they give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Who's the enemy? Who is the enemy? Jesus is speaking specifically. Satan. We have power and authority over him. He has given us that power and authority. So thinking that Satan is all this jacked up real bigger and he's like God, he's nothing like God. And I've heard Christians, well, he's like God. He's so big. He's so powerful in this and that. And I'm afraid and I leave it. I just don't. He's robbing. No, you gave it up. He's not anything like God. He's not big. He's not powerful. He alludes to that because he's a master of camouflage. I've shared this with you before. He is a master of camouflage, which means he can make himself appear to be something that he's not.
I touched base on that forgiving thing earlier. It's very important here. In verse 14, Jesus reminds us, for if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will then also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So if you're going to ignore what God tells you to do and follow his tenets and be about truth and righteousness, be forgiving, be loving, be compassionate, and he's going to be a little bit disturbed with you when you refuse to do so. Remember when John was writing about the churches while he was on the island of Patmos? The seven churches were great churches. One was even really, Jesus was giving them kudos and didn't even tell them that they had done that thing that all the others had done. They were practicing it all the time. But he told them, the churches, I have aught with you, for you have left your first love, our Father God. You left us behind. You went out to do your own thing and you started to Laudate yourself, lift yourself up, all the good and things that you have done. <sighs> Brothers and sisters, we tend to do that. We tend to allow ourselves to feel guilty about things that we have no reason to feel guilty about. And remember, guilt doesn't cut, God doesn't point his finger and make you feel guilty and condemn any of you. That's not what God is about. Uh, that's not what that's about. Oh, hold on a second. I got to go over here to our uh, to our adoption letter. Y'all remember where that is? Do you all remember where our adoption letter is? That's okay, because I was going to tell you anyway. Romans 8. I call it that. It it's, may not be, but it just seems to be so appropriate that all these things are there. But all these things that, that God talks to us about and, and Paul reminds us that kind of guide us into these things. But here's the important part. The very first stanza of our letter of adoption from our Lord God Almighty, Abba Yahweh. Abba Yahweh, tu kushin diatrokuliasanda. My adoption letter is your adoption letter. Romans 8, very first verse. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. What did Jesus tell the woman at the well? Told her uh, several things, but what did he tell her? He said, there will be a time 
when you don't have to go down to Jerusalem, try to get into the synagogue down there, and they're going to tell you what? Uh, you can't come in here. You're a Samaritan. You're related to us, but you can't come in. You're our cousin, but you can't come in. You're not holy enough to be in here. We bob and weave and pray out loud out in the marketplace all the time so people can see us all day, every day until Shabbat. And then we come in and we have our little thing and we do our thing and then we go into church. Oh, brothers and sisters. Be not heavy and pharisaical practices. They are so arrogant, so caught up in self-righteousness. They can't see where good is needed. And it's all around them. But they see with really keen, close-in eyesight, but they can't see what's going on that really needs attention. Love, compassion, grace. Remember, brothers and sisters, grace is great and grace is free. You don't have to pay for admission to the throne room and pray for forgiveness, salvation, redemption, and faith in God. You don't have to pay admission to get in. It doesn't cost anything. All you have to say is, I do, I will, let's go. That's all God requires. And after that, if you feel the tugging on the Holy Spirit to do like I did, or anything, there are those that God has called us all to be about his business. And then he some, some he calls with a special anointing to pastor, to teach. Some take care of the books. Brothers and sisters, all those yabadabas that complain about having to pay their tithes and offering, that's to support the church. Individuals were doing that for the disciples when they were following Jesus and Jesus to, to eat, for them to eat. They worried about it more than he didn't worry about it. Brothers and sisters, there's so much that we just need to... It's, it's very powerful and it's a difficult thing to do and I'm testifying to you right now. It's difficult. Some of the things that I'm going through, I got to go, I got to throw, go through another ringer for another time. But you know what? I'm not going to say, oh, but tomorrow I got to, but tomorrow, but tomorrow, but tomorrow. I might not wake up tomorrow and then not have to go do anything. I may get to go home. Tomorrow is not promised, brothers and sisters. But here's the thing. God's going to breathe into my lungs. He's going to wake me up tomorrow. He's got me doing something. And he's not done with me yet. This I do know. Not exactly sure what it is, but there's something he's got planned. And that's okay that I don't know. 
I signed a blank contract full well knowing that I didn't read the therefore is there unto the first part of the second part and thus and thus and this and this and that and that. And I didn't need an attorney. I didn't need a CPA to read numbers and things to me. I didn't need anybody to tell me what I needed to pay attention to in this contract because God is God. He's my heavenly father and I don't need somebody to try to protect my interest in God because he is my sovereign Lord God Almighty. Hashem, my Lord, my God, my sovereign Lord, my God, the maker of all things made, Abba Yahweh, Father, maker of all things made, the ancient of days, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the author and the finisher, is all of those things, all of those things and more. God is my father and he loves me so. And I fall short. I know that. But see, here's the other thing too. God knows that. But here's the thing that you have to remember is that Satan really, 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 really wants you to get caught up in that. He wants you to be grieved about it. He wants you to be all upset. And he wants you to know that you failed. And he wants to remind you that you failed. And he wants you to weep. He wants you not to pray anymore. He wants you to be convinced that your prayers don't mean as much as they used to to God because you failed. You didn't do this and that and the other. So God's upset. No, he's not. He would rather you not do things in that manner. But here's the thing. God knows that you don't have perfection in your bones. You're not. Not until you're glorified, not until we get to heaven, and not until we become like Jesus. For the only one who is perfect in this plane of existence was he who came and died for our sins. Bruised for our iniquities. Wounded for our transgressions. Bleeding for our healing. Brothers and sisters, I pray for you on my going out and my coming in. His truth, knowledge, and wisdom is all that we should be seeking, all that we seek all the time. Pray without ceasing. It can be done. You don't have to throw yourself down in a prayer posture on the ground. You can find yourself a quiet corner. You can go back between the aisle shelves somewhere way in the back back corner and pray. And if somebody in a supervisory status comes to you, be strong, be upright, courageous, and righteous. Don't be confrontational. Just say, what do you think you're doing, Jones? I was taking a moment to pray. I was praying for this day and for you. They can continue ranting and raving or whatever. However they want to. And you just tell them. I was praying. Praying for the day. Finding a quiet place so that I wouldn't disturb anybody.
By the way, have a great rest of the day. You were in my prayers too. Yeah, it sounds a little confrontational, I be. But was it truthful? Remember, always let your yeas be yea and your nays be nay. Always be bold, courageous, upright, non-confrontational in the word of God and be about our Father's business, what we are called to do. You are in my prayers on my going out and my coming in every day, every day, every day. Have a blessed and great evening.